This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. And we're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Tyler Donaldson. We'll also hear reports from Whitney Pittman, Don Wick, and Jay Rader. Warmer weather on the way to the Red River Valley, but that didn't stop a bout of recent snow from blowing in. Grand Forks National Weather Service meteorologist Carl Jones shared the numbers with us from this morning. Yeah, here, uh, the Red River Valley, uh, more notably in the central and northern Red River Valley, uh, generally ranged between uh, one to about one and a half inches of snow across the area here at the office um, at the National Weather Service Grand Forks. Uh, we measured um, about 0.7 inches. Uh, we did have a little bit of snow um, Sunday night, so if you were to include that snow, as well as the wintry mix, um, we totaled out in uh, 1.1 inches of snow. And Jones says new weather patterns are emerging. We're actually kind of transitioning in terms of the general overall weather pattern, at least compared to last week. And then it's going to allow warmer temperatures that are kind of have been bottled up in the western part of the United States and the southern part. That'll start to creep its way into the northern plains and into our area. And, you know, honestly, that kind of pattern looks to be the case pretty much for at least for the next seven days, possibly even longer than that. Um, so we're not really seeing too much opportunities for more Arctic air to intrude upon the area, but more of that milder to air masses that are kind of coming from the western part of the United States moving into our area. The Red River Farm Network is following the final day of the American Farm Bureau annual convention. Whitney Pittman has more from Salt Lake City. Joining us is Daryl Lease, North Dakota Farm Bureau President, on the delegate floor here today, underway. What are some of the, the big discussions you guys are working on? Well, the biggest discussion so far was about labor, uh, which is no surprise, right? Uh, farm labor, labor in general. I don't care if you're a small business owner on Main Street or you're a farm rancher. Uh, labor's been, been a hot topic, and that, that consumed a good part of our hours so far here yet today. But I think we come to a good, a good place on it, a good resolution. Uh, where we need to be to advocate on behalf of uh, farmers and ranchers and their labor needs across the country. And I'm sure H-2A came up as well? Yeah, H-2A, you know, obviously, yeah, there's issues with the H-2A program, but the seasonal workers, you know, there's a program for that. It's the year-round workers that are needed, uh, whether that's on dairy farms, you know, or whether that's in agricultural processing. There's not a good avenue for some of those things, and, and especially for dairy farmers, there's really no program. Uh, I think uh, I, I respect the president from Idaho, Brian Searle, when he said, right now there's a cap. The cap is zero. There isn't a program for you. And so we need to look at things, open that door, whether it's just a, a slight opening of the door or whether we can kick that door all the way open. I think we have the tools now in our policy to do that. Now here this afternoon, what are some of the things you're, that are on the docket? Obviously, we're free market uh, loving people in North Dakota at the at the Farm Bureau there at NDFB. Uh, property rights, uh, anything that I think infringes on property rights, obviously I'm going to speak up about. But uh, free market, how can we help all of us grow? You know, a rising tide lifts all boats. All right. Uh, anything else from the AFBF convention here that you want to touch on or, or recap before we let you go? You know, I think, it's, I mean, we had a great speakers uh, throughout this deal, but some of these folks that do some of the futurist things really are intriguing to me because looking forward based off of, you know, trends behind us, but then trying to look forward and predict those trends and what's new and coming. I think that's, you know, we've always had to adapt in agriculture, but I think 
uh, as, as the one speaker that was a futurist said, you have to continue to look and, and look skeptically, but don't be afraid to adapt when it comes. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time here while you guys are on break for this voting delegate session. Daryl Lee's joining us on the Red River Farm Network. Coverage from AFBF Annual Convention in Salt Lake is brought to you by NDFB, South Dakota Farm Bureau, the Minnesota Farm Bureau, and Egg Country Farm Credit Services. NDSU's Crop Insurance Conference is underway in Fargo. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick is there and has this report. It has been a warmer-than-normal winter, and North Dakota Agricultural Weather Network Director Daryl Richardson says that has implications for the spring planting season. It really, in simple terms, statistically at least, increases our odds of an early spring. And we've had a lot of not-so-nice marches and aprils really this whole century. You can point a few years, there's always exceptions, but we had a lot of tough springs. And if we can avoid uh, that one storm, you know, like a snowstorm on April 10th or something like that, you know, I think finally might be a year that at least not everyone, but a high percentage of folks can actually get out in the fields in April this year. What's, why are we seeing this warmer winter? What's the reasoning? There is more than one. Uh, the obvious answer is El Nino. Uh, this is, uh, the, there's kind of two types of El Ninos. There's one that sets up in the far eastern Pacific, closer to South America. And then there's another one that sets up in the central Pacific. The central Pacific ones are called Madokis. Those tend to bring us really crappy winters. Um, they're snowy, they're cold, they're miserable. But then they set up in the east, a very high percentage of them end up kind of like this. December rains boosted the soil moisture profile for most areas going into spring. The big exception is really right now northeastern North Dakota and far northwestern Minnesota. That area is really dry. We can't do a thing about it now. The ground is frozen now. It wasn't so much in December, but now anything that falls from this point forward mostly going to end up in the rivers and ponds. It's not going to penetrate very well in the farmer's fields. So in those areas, it will, to me, it will really come down to once we get into the warm season, say April, the ground's not frozen anymore. You know how much rain we get. And, of course, then they want to probably be planting. You know, it's always that catch-22. You know, the perfect world I plant, and two days later it rains an inch, inch and a half, and it would alleviate a lot of problems. Perfection doesn't happen very often, but it's just my way of saying we're really going to have to wait for spring in those areas. Reporting from the NDSU Crop Insurance Conference in Fargo, I'm Don Wick of the Red River Farm Network. North Dakota is one of four states selected to participate in a federally funded pilot program, the Alliance to Advance Climate Smart Agriculture. The program offers farmers $100 per acre or animal unit through a USDA grant. This grant aims to encourage conservation practices while improving access for producers. The three-year program has an annual payout capping at $16,000 per farmer for up to 160 acres or animal units. Get the latest news and weather updates anytime by listening to the Red River Farm Network podcasts. Listen at rrfn.com and anywhere else you get your podcast. This is the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Northern Pulse Growers Annual Meeting is underway in Minot, North Dakota. Red River Farm Network's Jay Rader is at that event. We're visiting here with uh, Dr. Joe Outlaw, uh, Texas A&M University. We're up here in Minot, North Dakota today talking to the Pulse Growers. Uh, you're going to talk a little bit on, on policy, and obviously Farm Bill's the big thing, but that just seems to be kind of on the back burner these days. Well, it is. Until we get the government funded, I think the, we won't even take one up. But once they finally get a decision made on whether they're going to do all the different uh, appropriations bills or one omnibus total package 
to fund the government for the rest of the year. Once that happens, then who knows? They might be able to pull off getting it done. I really kind of doubt it. I think uh, I think it's politics. Election season is going to kind of get in the way. But uh, you never know. You never. You want to say we're there. We're there to help them if they want to move forward. We're going to provide any kind of information. We have been. Uh, our group out of Texas A&M, we do work for Congress. We've done it for 40 years behind the scenes, and we're still doing analysis on what different options they have uh, right now. So uh, it's it's a it's a. I think they're honing in on what they really want to do. We just got to let some politics kind of play out, and then we'll see. I, I do think that it's going to be difficult to get done before the election. Then after the election, you tell me who's in charge of the Senate, and I'll tell you or the president, uh, and I'll tell you if I think the farm bill is going to get done right away. Uh, just my my gut feeling right now is we're going to go into 25 and get it done then. Uh, we, the, the current bill is extended through this growing season. It, it, there's no big disaster ahead. We just need, we just need some tweaks to make the, the current bill better. Uh, it has the right footing. It just needs to be made a, a little bit better, which in, in – Washington terms means that we need some more money put into it. Uh, but other than that, you know, there's no crisis that's out there just uh, really causing problems. It's just that it could be so much better than it is now. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Jay Rader. Renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel are driving demand for soybean oil. United Soybean Board Demand Action Team Chair April Hemis said the soybean checkoff is also finding a home for the soybean meal. With all the new oil, or all the new processing going in, the crushing plants, I get asked, so what are you going to do with all the meal? So we did set a record on meal exports, which is important also. Um, I would much rather see it being a farmer and here, um, seeing the value added here and then exporting that, meaning poultry, pork, things like that. Hemis says checkoff-funded research is improving soybean demand. Especially improving the inclusion rate in feed for um, not only poultry, but uh, hogs too. And there's just so many things going on. We also have Ohio Lake beans, which we've really been um, trying to push out the door, and they've been good for the dairy cattle. And the Ohio Lake oil is not only human use, but industrial. They've really found a lot of applications for that. South Dakota Farm Bureau's Promotion and Education Committee was created last year to promote agriculture and to educate the public. P&E committee member Josh Geigel says that joining the committee was an easy decision since its mission resonated so strongly with his own beliefs. We come from a small town that's main, mostly rural, but yet there's a lot of kids that don't have that experience of being on a farmer ranch. So it was really fun to go into those lower level grades like first and second grade and do a presentation with them. And so when the opportunity came to, to join the P&E committee at the state level, promotion and education, it just those two words, we're promoting agriculture and we want to educate the general public more about agriculture in a way that they can understand what we do on a daily basis to bring food to their table. And part of the PE committee's mission is to provide some transparency for the public eye into the ag community. Anybody that eats is involved with agriculture, whether directly or not. And so, and the general public has the, the desire to know how their food is is produced and they, they're interested in it. And, and there's a lot of misconceptions that they see with social media nowadays. So I, I believe it's our job in agriculture to, to be that person that gets out and tells our story and invite maybe even invites people out to our, our family ranch and show them how things are done and, and maybe just answer those questions they have. USDA is investing $207 million in renewable energy and domestic fertilizer projects. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack made that announcement at the Farm Bureau 
convention. 675 projects received funding through the Rural Energy for America program. Uh, you are listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The University of Minnesota College of Veterinary Medicine is seeking input from the dairy industry regarding the use of precision technology. Extension educator Jim Salfer explains. We're trying to understand what farmers are thinking about from a technology standpoint. And this is mostly specifically dairy farmers, but we'd like to know about all technologies that are out there. And we all know, I think, between the medical community and between agriculture, they're really the two areas in the country that technology is moving the fastest on. And it's coming pretty fast. The results of the survey will allow the University of Minnesota Extension to better fill the needs of dairy farmers. So we're trying to understand what are the technologies the farmers are most interested in so that we can kind of tailor our research and our education needs around those technologies and also answering the questions that the farmers have about those technologies because right now that information moves so much faster than, than any research we can potentially do at the university but if we know what you're interested in then we can investigate some of those and what types of technology you're interested in. South Dakota Farm Bureau Vice President Jeff Gatsky is at the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention where Gatsky spoke about his role as a voting delegate for South Dakota's farmers. Well, we're talking about pri private property rights, and that's always a big issue. We're also talking about water rights, and that's huge here in the in Utah, along with South Dakota. And so there's a lot of those issues can be hammered out here in Utah, and uh, we're going to get into the issues here on Tuesday during our delegate session, and we're going to partake today in some of the leadership uh, meetings going on, and plus we've got another general session later today. South Dakota Farm Bureau has had a busy 2024 ahead of them. Well, here at the end of the month, we're going to be out representing at the stock show. We'll have a booth out at the stock show. During that stock show, the second weekend, we have our YFNR conference. And then uh, the first week of February, we have legislative day out at the Capitol. And so we encourage our members and uh, come out there and check out legislative day at the Farm Bureau. We feed the legislatures on, I believe it's the 5th or 6th of February that week. And we really encourage our members to be partake in that. Checking markets before we leave you this noon hour. March wheat in Minneapolis is down two and a quarter cents, six ninety-eight and a quarter. Chicago March wheat's down two. Kansas City is eight and a half higher on the March. March corn down a half, four forty-five and a quarter. July corn's unchanged at four sixty-four and three quarters. March soybeans eleven and three quarter higher at twelve thirty-six. May soybeans up ten and a half at twelve forty-three and a half. March canola two thirty a metric ton. Joining us this afternoon, have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.